Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Proving George, a twisted tale of betrayal, danger, and rekindled love, written by C.H. Hall. A romance roiled by betrayal and danger. A vindictive woman's ruthless plan to expose her husband's suspected infidelity opens the door for a cunning serial killer. Desperate to save his crumbling marriage, George Brock takes his estranged wife on a romantic getaway to a remote bed and breakfast. Tortured by the memory of their once idyllic love affair and blinded by her own bitterness, Deborah resists George's efforts. She is convinced their problems are the result of infidelity on his part and gleefully plots to ruin his romantic holiday by making a brutal statement with another man before walking out and filing for a divorce. Mrs. Winter, a seemingly gracious southern lady and genial bed-and-breakfast proprietor, welcomes the Brocks with open arms. In reality, she is a cold, calculating blackmailer who sees a cash bonanza in Deborah's wicked little game of adultery and revenge. To make matters worse, her son Horace is a sadistic serial killer. After beholding the incredibly beautiful Deborah Brock, he is determined that she be his next victim. What begins as a hopeful romantic renewal quickly spirals into a frantic fight for survival. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Proving George. Chapter 1 I'm late, I'm late, for a very important date. Deborah Brock softly muttered, quoting the only line from Alice in Wonderland that she could remember. Nervously tapping a manicured nail on the steering wheel, she glanced at her cell and frowned at the time. Seems I'm always late, always disappointing someone. She glanced out her window as her Lexus rolled past the trendy shops and stores of downtown Farragut, Virginia, heading for Old Town. The iron-gray, puffy cotton ball sky cast a pall over the small town muting brightly painted storefronts and blunting the ornate brickwork, making the normally charming township seem grimy, cold, and dank. Like the color intensity has dropped several values. Even the air seems dreary and depressed. How I despise this time of year. After a long pause, she whispered, God, how I despise my life. The spooky fun of Halloween gone, and the family-centric Thanksgiving feast still three weeks away, not to mention darkness that fell like an iron curtain before six, made for a perfect storm of blah. She called this grim span of twenty-eight days the doldrums. Deborah had always considered the doldrums the most depressing, lonely time of the year. This year was particularly bad, possibly the worst in her 27 years. Fraught with fears that the man she loved more than life had chosen another, Deborah's vivid imagination worked overtime until she was a bubbling cauldron of anxiety and worry. Her fertile imagination, which served her splendidly as an interior designer, was now her worst enemy. The arrival of the doldrums 
was almost too much for her to bear as her depression deepened. The beautiful, successful woman felt she was mentally and emotionally mere inches from rock bottom. She let out a breath of frustration as her anger boiled over. Why am I like this? She yelled. I'm a successful, strong as boiled leather woman for God's sake. Why am I letting him do this to me? She glanced around the interior of the sleek sports car as a rare smile lit up her face. I am late, after all. Shame to let all this power go to waste, especially with no police officer in sight. Giggling with glee, Deborah floored the accelerator, and the car leapt forward in a soul-satisfying sonata of power. In the stuttering growl of sliding rubber and the sharp screech of overheated brakes, the Lexus zipped in and out of the plodding early afternoon downtown traffic. She chuckled as her reckless actions garnered vulgar shouts and the occasional rude gesture from irate drivers. Right back at you, she laughed, returning a perfectly manicured middle finger sporting the polished color 999. Okay, fine. Pink to a jolly middle-aged man in a lumbering furniture truck. Damn, being a bitch is a hell of a lot of fun. Feeling invincible, empowered by her superior road machine, and needing the thrill of cutting loose, Deborah cut off a 20-year-old faded green Volvo wagon a mere dozen yards before the two-lane road necked down to one as it crossed over the 6th Street Bridge. The black 1950s-era iron bridge connected Farragut to a strip of abandoned textile factories, mills, and tobacco warehouses. In the last five years, the sturdy brick and concrete buildings were repurposed and renovated into three square miles of restaurants, bars, loft apartments, and chic boutiques that the locals called Old Town. The Volvo's driver, Eleanor Dingle, was in no mood to be trifled with, especially from a stuck-up bitch in a pricey sports car who thought she owned the road, just like the one who stole her Frank ten months before. With visions of a flaming car crash happily dancing through her mind, Eleanor hit her accelerator and rode just inches from Deborah's bumper. Go ahead, honey. Enjoy yourself, Deborah muttered as Eleanor flashed her lights and banged on her horn in frustration. I won. Amid the unrelenting blaring of a Swedish-made car horn half a mile later, Deborah sighted the parking lot of Romano's Italian restaurant. This bitch isn't giving up, Deborah mused as she produced her cell and prepared to call 911. I'm not dressed for fighting. Deborah smiled when she saw the police car up ahead. And who says you could never find a cop when you need them? Alerted by the blaring horn, a passing Virginia State Trooper slowed and flipped on his lights. Curious to know why Eleanor felt the need to disturb the public and drive recklessly, 
snapping out of her bout of road rage, Eleanor let off her horn and dropped back several car lengths from Deborah's bumper. Now watching where she was going, Deborah was waving happily at the snarling woman and her police escort when she nicked the curb and shattered the aluminum right front wheel. Swearing at her bad fortune, Deborah maneuvered the wounded vehicle into an empty space, then switched off the engine and popped open her door. This cannot be happening, Deborah groused as she moved to view the damage. I don't need this. I have to get back to work. The beautiful woman produced her cell, and thumbing through her directory, she tapped the number for her auto club. Parsons Automotive Repair. Mr. Parson, this is Deborah Brock. Oh, hello, Mrs. Brock. Having car trouble, are we? I broke a rim. Again. While I appreciate the return business, you need to slow down, he said. It wasn't my fault, mostly. Where did you break down? Romano's in Old Town. The lobster spaghetti is to die for, he said. Have a nice lunch and I can have Eddie out to change your tire in 15 or 20 minutes. You're a lifesaver. Happy to oblige, Mrs. Brock. Mr. Parson, um, is this going to be one of those little temporary tire things? A donut? Yes, ma'am. Can't you bring me a new tire on a rim? Your policy doesn't cover that kind of repair. Only emergency services. GK will kill me. This is the third rim in five months. You are hard on vehicles, he chuckled. How much for a rim and a tire? She fidgeted, waiting on him to give her a price. To replace your tire and rim with matches is going to cost five fifty nine and change. Deborah covered the speaker, stamped her foot, and swore blackly. Um, that's your best price? She asked, biting her lip. Best price you'll find for 100 miles, I guarantee. Your husband is one of my best customers, and I gave you a break. My insurance is outrageous. Not to mention GK is out of town, and I don't want to dip into our account and have him yell at me. Mr. Parson, this is terribly embarrassing, but can I pay you in cash in a couple of weeks? Also, can we keep this little incident just between us? Ordinarily, I would say no, but I think the world of your husband. George Brock is a fine man, and I think I can cut you some slack. Thank you, Mr. Parsons. Thank you. I'll have the money to you in two weeks, I swear. I'm not worried, Mrs. Brock. However, as a husband of over 35 years, let me give you some advice. Keeping secrets like this from your spouse is a bad idea. Things have a way of blowing up when you least expect it. This is the one and only time I'll go behind GK's back, I promise. Thank you. Thank you so very much, Mr. Parsons. You are a lifesaver. A rim and a tire will be a bit longer, 
be about an hour, but when Eddie's done, no one will be the wiser. Thank you. I owe you big. Just be careful in the future. Have a nice day. Goodbye, she breathed as she clicked off her cell. George Brock, a fine man? Marry him and see if you can hold on to that fantasy buddy, she spat. Now I have to find a way to pay for that tire. As she opened the door and grabbed her bag from the seat, her cell chimed with an incoming text. A glance at the number made her blush. Looking around, her eyes reflecting her guilt, she opened the message. I want you, babe. Deborah cringed. Not Jeff again. The man is relentless. Her fingers tapped furiously. For the last time, go away. Send. I still want you. I made it perfectly clear a month ago. I made a terrible mistake. Send. I didn't think it was a mistake. Loving you was special. You are special. I'm here for you. And if you had noticed, babe, GK isn't. Deborah groaned. I'm a married woman. GK is my husband. I was wrong. Time for you to move on. Send. The only mistake is letting your husband make a fool of you. I love you, babe. Deborah swallowed hard at his admission. This has to stop. Lust and sex aren't love. You act like a love-struck teenager who has had his first kiss. Send. I know what I feel, babe. This isn't my first rodeo. Never felt like this before. I want to be the man you need. The man who is always here for you. And not a name on a worthless piece of paper. I want to take care of you. And be the stud horse in your barn. Jeff, please understand. Our one time together was nice. Exactly what I needed to get through a difficult period. I'll always be grateful you were there for me. But it was one moment of weakness. And that moment has passed. If you do truly care, forget about me. Send. Hand shaking, Deborah turned off her phone. This would go on all day if I let it. I hear another babe and I'll scream. Did he really say stud horse in your barn? Deborah shuddered. Jeff Ross was a terrible mistake that follows me around like the ghost of Christmas past. He's responsible for the mess I'm in now. When the big mooch begged me for a set of tires, I said yes, not knowing what I was getting into. I felt so guilty over our time together that I sprang for a mind-numbingly expensive set of off-road tires for his damn truck. I thought of it as a consolation prize, so to speak. Wiped me out. Even had to dip into the household account. It's a miracle GK didn't question me about that. That mistake came full circle when I cracked a rim. I have just enough spending money on me to pay for lunch. 
If I dipped into the household account or file it on the insurance, there would be ugly questions I don't want to answer. Salt in the wound is I'm broke and Jeff is just as persistent as ever, if not more so. I have to get my life back on track, starting right now. One way or the other, I'm crawling out of this mess and will stand in the sun once again. Jeff Ross, as of today, is history. If I have to pay a hitman, just have to find one who works on credit. Shaking her head ruefully, she slipped the cell into her Tom Brown handbag. A nice relaxing lunch with Mona and Mandy. A few laughs, perhaps a small drink, and catch up on all the juicy gossip is just what this gal needs to clear her head. I think this thorny day is about to turn into sunshine and roses. Deborah checked her reflection in the car window, frowning at the lovely image. She recalled a time when Georgie told her that she was a natural beauty who made a plain t-shirt and worn jeans look as stylish as an evening gown. As he changed and pulled away, Deborah threw herself frantically into creating a more attractive, more alluring version of herself, but to no avail. The more desperately she tried to keep him, the more he pulled away, making his job his entire world. She likened it to trying to grasp Quicksilver. While she didn't want to let go, she realized that her forever-after romance only lasted a scant four years. Jeff was right about one thing. I am alone. GK isn't here for me. Hell, I'm not even a blip on his radar. She is. Why the hell do I even bother with him? Smoothing a straight curl and refreshing her lipstick, Deborah Brock was miserable and felt as if she were about to explode. A mask of beauty and refinement wrapped about a volcano. Satisfied she was presentable, slipping on a bogus smile to hide her pain, she turned and walked down the cobblestone path to the restaurant entrance. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Proving George. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.